Welcome to the Mission Matters podcast, celebrating the people and initiatives that embody the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University, celebrating what matters in the 200-year-old-plus mission that is St. Louis U, brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. Welcome back. I am Virginia Herbers, the Director of Mission Formation, and I am pleased to welcome today's Mission Matters guest, Dr. Terry Redman, who is the Special Assistant to the President on matters of COVID-19 and also uh, the Director for the Institute of Biosecurity here at SLU and a Professor of Epidemiology. Welcome, Terry. It's so good to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. First of all, need to thank you for taking the time for this. Everyone who's listening understands, knows well. We've seen you on television. We've seen your emails. We know how valuable and how uh, scarce your time is right now. So thank you very much for being with us. I'm very happy to be here. I I really like talking about the SLU mission and how we've incorporated that into our COVID-19 response. I've been at SLU for 21 years now. I started as a staff person when we had a grant to study originally just bioterrorism preparedness. And then over time, we expanded um, the focus of the Institute for Biosecurity to study bioterrorism, emerging infectious diseases, and pandemics. And then over time, I earned my PhD, became a faculty member. So I've been studying and researching pandemics and other infectious disease disasters for 21 years now. So it made sense that when the pandemic hit, um, that I was one of many people that were called in to help consult with our pandemic planning response plans. So has this pandemic been kind of what you thought it would be given all your study and research prior to its arrival? It's a great question. So Prior to this, generally speaking, when we talked about pandemic planning, we were thinking about flu, influenza pandemics, which look very different than what we've seen. We've never had a pandemic with a human coronavirus before, so this is all new, and every pandemic is is different from previous pandemics, but we've been um, learning a lot over the last approximate two years. In many cases, we've been able to sort of predict or anticipate what was probably going to happen. And then in other cases, some things have happened that have been in some ways expected, but then other ways not expected. Like we know that viruses mutate. And so we know that new variants can occur, but it's impossible to predict when a new variant is going to pop up and what that's going to do in terms of the epidemiology of that event. So again, in some ways expected in other ways, not expected. This has been a really long haul, and it doesn't seem like the end is in sight yet. So how have you been? I have very sort of conflicted feelings because on one hand, I'm in one of those fields that you study with the hope of never actually needing to use. Right. So so professionally speaking, it's, it's very personally rewarding to be able to use the knowledge that I've gained over the last 21 years to make a difference. On the other hand, the pandemic is very tragic and obviously I would love for it to end tomorrow. So, you know, it's just very conflicting feelings in terms of how everything is going, but I've, I've really enjoyed the opportunities um, provided to me to work in the president's office with this incredible team of people 
I mean, our pandemic response, we have a multidisciplinary team from across campus. It, it involves faculty, staff, students, administrators, everybody working together. I mean, one slew doesn't even really encompass truly what we've been able to accomplish. It's just been really phenomenal and personally rewarding to see that and to be part of this incredible team. How did that team come into being? It's evolved over time, depending on, you know, which issue we were facing at the time. So if we're talking about issues that relate to, let's say, on-campus housing, then we pulled different team members in, different collaborators and partners from across campus. There is sort of one core team that does a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of pandemic planning and response. Even that team has grown over time as we, we recognize that the small original team that we had just did not have the bandwidth for all of the work involved. So we needed to expand and, and hire new people and uh, make the team larger. I would imagine that as the decisions have been made or as the decisions have presented themselves as needing to be made, uh, the conversations around all the different things to take into consideration, those conversations must be lengthy in addition to being weighty, correct? Yes, they're very complex decisions and very nuanced situations. And so even when we're faced with a decision that in my mind, when I first hear about it, I think, oh, this should be a relatively easy decision for our team to make. I think we're gonna land you know, X. And then when we actually bring the partners together, everybody brings such rich, background and conversation and context to the conversation that even if we end up landing where I originally thought we were going to land, the conversation and getting there is just really been incredible to make sure that we're really focusing on making sure that our campus community remains as safe as possible, but also trying to maintain that traditional university experience for our students. So we want a safe work environment, a safe learning environment, but also as close to normal or pre-pandemic normal as possible. Yeah, I think um, when the return to campus this semester came out, you know, that the email came out that said, yes, we are returning to campus. The one line that really stuck out to me, and I don't know if this is common or if this was just the way it hit me, was the insight that anytime we're going to return to campus, we're going to see a spike in cases. So we can pause, we can delay, but the spike in cases will happen as soon as we choose to return in person. And just reading that was like an aha moment, like, well, of course. <laughs> so I, I appreciate the thoughtfulness and the collaboration and just that intensity of dialogue that has gone on within SLU and within your team to make those decisions as thoughtful as possible. Yeah, we take a very intentional approach. Um, we want to make sure that all the voices are heard and that we really are making decisions that are best for the university as a whole, our campus community as a whole, and are in line with our mission. And and they're not easy decisions. A lot of these decisions have not been easy to make, but ultimately they are, in my opinion, the, the best decisions for our campus community. Right. So you bring up the mission, which is why this podcast exists. So 
I guess my question for you is how have you seen SLU's response to the pandemic as intersecting with our mission, uh, with our identity, and like as you described before, with our reality of one SLU, which I believe was coined when the pandemic began? Yes. So every decision that we have made when we are having conversations, we use that lens of the SLU mission to make sure that we are looking out for the individuals, especially our high risk individuals to make sure that we're creating this very safe campus community. And since students live here, it's their living environment where individuals work, it's their work environment, but also still again, maintaining that traditional university experience for our students. And so we actually talk about the mission in our conversations about any particular um, intervention or safeguard that we are discussing. Yeah, how has your concept of the mission developed over the past two years? I mean, nobody, not too many of us, would have foreseen the mission having to respond to this kind of a situation. So has it taken on a different look for you? I, it's become more nuanced. I think that it, I've, I've taught pandemic planning, bioterrorism planning for 20 something years. And I've always used my infectious disease epidemiology approach and, you know, infectious diseases and disaster planning approach. And I think what, what I wasn't always thinking about were those more complex nuanced decisions that needed to be made in the moment and how to do that from that lens of the SLU mission. So here's just one example. When we decided that we needed to switch to completely being remote at the very start of the pandemic, and as all universities did, one of the very first challenges we faced as a team was how were we going to get our students who live in on-campus housing home safely, trying to minimize disease transmission, but also allowing them the best experience possible in terms of moving home. So prior to the pandemic, if I was teaching a class, what I thought would have been the safest thing to do is to make the students basically go home immediately and we can have a team go in and take care of their belongings and send them their belongings. And that way we don't have to worry about individuals getting infected during that move out process. And not that I ever proposed that. I did not propose that. Actually, that is the approach that Wash U used. And in our conversations, there were many options that were debated among our team. And we thought about what is going to be safest for the students, but also the least disruptive to the students. Like what, what's in their best interest, not just the health safety concerns, but also their physical and mental health concerns about this abrupt change. It was very upsetting for many of us as we needed to shift to remote learning and have them move home in the middle of a semester. And so we found a plan that we had, as far as I know, no disease transmission associated with our plan. We had a staggered move out that allowed limited numbers of people to come to campus to help the student move their belongings home, but still allowed them to have that autonomy of packing their own belongings, moving home with a friend or a family member. So I, that to me is just like the epitome of our SLU mission, that we, we balanced health and safety with also the mental and physical other wellness concerns for the student, for that individual. Yeah. So in addition to just being one SLU, it's about the one person. If you can't exactly. separate any one part of it. Okay. So you brought up 
WashU, not to not to talk about rivalry or anything. However, I, I'm curious as to how you see our response here at SLU as being different in quality to maybe some of our other peers. Not that there's a right way to do this or a wrong way to do this. We haven't lived through this. And I, I'm sorry, but I refuse to use the word unprecedented. I'm so sick of that word. <laughs> I agree with that completely. <laughs> uh, but given the fact that there is no right or wrong way to do this, how has the quality of our response been a little bit different or distinct? I'm biased, of course, but I personally believe that we've had one of the best responses of universities. We have stayed open when most universities were not able to stay open. We have minimized disease transmission. We've had no documented disease transmission in any classroom, lab space, or workspace on campus. So I believe we've been highly successful and we've received a lot of positive feedback from our community members and alumni about our response. We also, we take a very collaborative approach, not just internally, but also externally. So there's a weekly meeting that happens that I actually coordinate between other universities in the St. Louis region and the health department directors or representatives. And we meet once a week and we all talk about what our COVID response plans are and what challenges we're facing and how we make these decisions. And so in WashU's approach is actually almost identical. There are very few differences in terms of how we are responding. When you look at other universities, they are taking a different approach just because they're different in size, they have a different team, different sure. populations, and we're private universities. So we also have the ability to implement some strategies that public universities are not allowed to implement. I'm very proud of SLU's response to this pandemic. I, we've been open, we've been safe. And I mean, you just can't ask for more than that in a pandemic. The warmest part of it for me is that for the most part, we've been able to, able to keep staff and the decisions, the decisions for the medical part of this are, are one thing and the health and safety are one thing, but then the, the personal decisions that affect our workers and, you know, who needed to be on campus and who didn't need to be on campus and can we support our healthcare workers and all of that has also been very inspiring, has done as well. I agree. We've provided a lot more flexibility for our employees than what I've heard about from other universities. Um, we've offered incredible um, benefits to our employees in terms of paid time off. If they have COVID, a family member has COVID. I mean, I, I just, I'm very proud of the approach that we have had to COVID in many, many regards. So uh, just to be fair, are you able to look back in hindsight and say, you know, this possibly we could have done a little bit differently or done it in a different way? Or do you really look back and say, wow, we've gotten this right? So I think hindsight's always 2020. I feel very confident that we made the best decision at the time with the information that we had at that time. Yep. On the other hand, what we have learned as we've moved along, things that didn't work as well as we thought that they were going to work, we have pivoted, which I actually am also proud of that as well, that we periodically stop and reflect on what's happening, what can we loosen in order to provide a better work and, and learning experience for the students. 
and and when do we need to tighten up and when we do have to tighten restrictions we make sure we have like student involvement when we're talking about what is most important what are their priorities what's most important to them like what's the last thing we should do right. in terms of restrictions in order to keep as much of a normal existence for them as possible of course, I'm in the Office of Missions, so you're using Ignatian language. <laughs> and so there's two things that come to mind as you're speaking. One is that that reflectiveness that we talk about with an examen, you know, to be able to not just respond in the ways that we think are the best ways, but to actually then reflect on it and make new decisions based on new data. But the other thing is that you brought to mind is when it comes to discernment, and you know, we speak a lot about how to discern what's the right thing to do, given the reality. Ignatius was very strong on saying, if you've made a good discernment, don't go back and second guess yourself because a good discernment is caught in time and space. And so hindsight will always give different perspective on it, but if you've made a good discernment, leave it be and practice the examen to reflect on it and then make a new discernment for new data. Sounds like what you're describing. It's interesting you say that because especially at the end of the fall 2020 semester. So at that first semester, when we were open during the pandemic, when 75% of universities were not open, they were all online. We were one of the very few that we stayed open the entire semester. And at the end of, almost as soon as the semester had ended, there were emails that were sent out about, okay, we need to now plan for the spring semester. And part of that is we want to do this Ignatian reflection on what worked for us in fall and what, what could we do better in the spring? Oh, I love hearing that. Oh gosh. I know that, uh, Well, I don't know, but I imagine that the difficulties that you're facing and dealing with every moment, every day, every week, every month as this has gone on have changed dramatically. So I think it's fair to say on behalf of the entire SLU community, just thank you. (laughs) And that we are grateful, we are appreciative, and we are holding you in prayer, definitely. I, I really appreciate hearing that. It's, a, it's definitely a team effort, and we all really appreciate hearing those words of support and encouragement. It does get tough at times. It, it has been relentless for quite some time. So what message does the SLU community need to hear from you? I think this is a message we've shared before, but I like to remind people that we are using consensus science to make the most data-informed decisions about how to have an open, safe campus. And we do look at what's important for individuals, also what's important for our community as a whole. And we incorporate the SLU mission in every decision that we make. We try to make, try to have the, the best response plan possible. I would hope that would go without saying, but I'm glad to hear you say it. Our team receives a lot of questions or concerns about, I read this one study, or I heard this on social media or on news media. And I think sometimes there's this either concern or question of, is your team aware of this? And what I can safely tell you is that we we are aware. No one can read all of the research, but our team stays very well involved in what's happening 
regionally on our campus and with the research and we make those data informed decisions. And so we are looking at the research and we are using science to help make our decisions in the context of our mission as a university. So hearing you say that makes me realize that there's always gonna be the critics and want that to be able to enrich the conversation, but you also need to hope that the criticism is coming from number one, a place of trust and number two, a place of information. For the most part, when I receive either an email or a voice message or a phone call, the questions are coming from a place of concern, concern for personal safety or safety of their student, of their child. And it's very easy for our team to, to, un, to understand. We empathize with that. We understand. And so it's, it's easy for us to take that time to explain the science, explain our rationale for making these decisions. And it almost always results in a better outcome that the individual that we're talking to understands our reasoning once we've had that conversation. There are a few limited individuals that don't agree with our science or are just unhappy with our policies. Um, But we hope that they also at the end of the conversation, at least know that we heard them and we understand that they are coming from a place of concern as well. And and we do have caring and, and empathy for that situation. Personally, what I have been praying for you for, you and the whole team, is just a sense of endurance and a sense of that overall human nature is good and trusting and hopeful. I believe they are. The the individuals that want to yell or curse or not engage in conversation, it's very rare. Yes. I guess I just want to say two things. One, express great appreciation for all of our healthcare workers and our healthcare students who have been on the front lines for almost two years now, literally putting their life at risk to continue to provide compassionate care. So that is so important to me. And, and I'm just so grateful that they are willing to do that. And then also the countless people and groups across campus that have really stepped up and helped in this pandemic are our MPH students who run our contact tracing team, our nursing students and nursing faculty who volunteer every week with testing and vaccination clinics and all of the employees and students that assist delivering meals and helping students in isolation. I mean, the it's just very humbling to, to see this outpouring. I mean, it just really shows our Jesuit values and the mission playing out. Very, very heartwarming to me. And I'll put in a commercial on that. Out of the president's office, they're still looking for staff volunteers to do meal delivery and also student transport for those students who are quarantined. So if anyone listening is available for their two-hour slots, those resources, explanations of duties, all of that are available through the president's office. Or you can contact the Office of Mission as well. So, Dr. Redman, thank you so much for your time. Like I said, I am just grateful that you were able to take this time to be with us uh, and to help the rest of us in the SLU community have a little bit more of a window into 
what's going on and how you all are doing, how the team is working, what your contributions have been able to provide for us, and to be able to say thank you for all that you do. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I I really enjoyed the conversation. So good to have you. And for those who are listening, please follow us on social media. We are at SLU Jesuit Mission. And don't forget, if if you know of a colleague who is living the mission out loud, but seems to be hidden in plain sight, contact us so we can highlight the good work that they are doing. And until next time, let's remember, especially in this Ignatian year, that we are one SLU where mission matters. You can engage the mission intentionally here at SLU and you can encounter it randomly, but good luck graduating without ever touching it in some way. God bless everyone.